I'm Keith Hernandez, bobblehead night no less. You'd think there'd be common ground and civility between Keith's first team and his second team. Nope, nope, nope. If we're going to compare this year's team to the 86 team Keith captained all the way to the World Series parade, we're going to have to include the part where that team was always ready for a fight. Second time this year already, the Mets have been involved in a benches-clearing incident. Once again, a Met getting hit by a pitch with the catalytic converter to chaos. Ooh, I do like that phrase. And I like the fact the Mets won again. This is getting stupid now. They're 14-5. and five. They've only played a handful of home games. Let's talk about getting hit by pitches and winning ballgames side by side. We'll do it now. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. The Mets do it again. They pitch like champions. They score just enough. A 3-0 win against the Cardinals to ensure something they've never done before in 60 years of being a franchise. That's win the first six series of the season. And a chance today for a sweep in St. Louis. Something they haven't done since the first three games of 2007. Josh Lewin with you. We'll get to the game itself from Tuesday night in just a bit. But first, a little editorial about the Mets getting hit by a bunch of pitches this year. Is in on pace to get hit by 156 of them. I'm kind of waiting for Will Smith to just run up there and slap somebody at this point. It is true, no team's been hit more often than the Mets the last three years now. But some people are out there running a narrative like it's some form of payback for, I don't know, just for being the Mets or something. This year, indeed, the Mets are... Top of the painful heap, getting hit by 18 pitches. Teams like the White Sox and Royals have each been hit by three. Somehow the Pirates in the last night's action, zero. 650 at-bats, nobody hit by a pitch. There are only 15 players who have been hit by more than two pitches so far this year. And four of those 15 are Mets, paced by Alonzo and Marte, each with five plunks to date. Alonzo twice in the C-flap that protects the head now. So the Mets with 18 when no one else in baseball is more than 12. I grant you that does look weird. But Alonzo, Marte, Canna, these are literally three of the top 10 guys in the majors and HBPs the last three plus seasons. When the Phillies assembled a team full of guys who can't field very well, everyone said, hey, don't be surprised when there's a lot of errors. Well, I would submit if three of the nine guys in your lineup stand really close to home plate, and are always near the top of the leaderboards and getting hit. Guess what? They're going to get hit. So no conspiracies, no everyone hates the Mets narrative. The Mets have a lineup stacked with guys who snuggle up to the inside corner and often get brushed back. Just throwing that out there for the sake of sanity and balance. Now, the pitchers in general having a very tough time controlling the ball this year. A lot of them say it's like holding a cue ball. They've got to do something about that. But in the game last night, there was also an old-fashioned tit-for-tat according to the antiquated baseball code. The Mets had hit Cardinals slugger Nolan Arenado. Uh, the Cardinals then apparently get to hit Mets slugger Pete Alonso. Not in the C-flap, please. But that is the old weird baseball standard, right? Only in baseball is this part of the code. In basketball, if Steph Curry hits five threes in a row, you don't get to throw the basketball at Steph Curry's head. But 
anyway, the Mets were upset. The benches did empty. It was just milling around. Home plate umpire Mark Wagner issued warnings and life went on. Anyway, that was kind of the flashpoint of last night. Let's go back a bit, though. Tuesday night began with the Mets as the only NL East team above 500. Already a full four and a half games up, not even three weeks into the season. Only three National League teams since 2012 had won each of their first six series of the year. The Diamondbacks did it in 18. These Cardinals did it in 12. So did the Nationals in 12. The Mets looking to join that company. At game time, I think there was still a little buzz about what had happened Monday. The five-run rally, the Mets having been a David Banner all game, then somehow just going complete incredible Hulk in the ninth. Max Scherzer now allowing 3.9 hits per nine innings. That's best of all big league starters right now. His 12 strikeouts per nine innings is top five. Dude is 37 years old. His supposed wingman got some decent news late Monday as well. The Mets reporting Jacob deGrom has experienced, quote, considerable healing. The rough equivalent to the great Marvin Gaye song of a similar name, considerable healing. So uh, deGrom, who began the season on the IEL, will begin loading and strengthening his right shoulder. That's what they tell us, loading and strengthening. He will undergo more images, likely another MRI and CT scan. And uh, in approximately three weeks, I guess, is when that's going to happen. So when he's going to start throwing again depends on how that shoulder reacts to the loading and strengthening. No true timeline yet on how he can really start building that pitch count back. But for now, the fact that that scapula is healing is certainly good news. Tuesday night uh, for the Mets, it was the former Oakland A's all-star Chris Bassett on the bump we mentioned. Bassett against St. Louis was not a matchup that scared you going in because Chris had allowed just one hit to right-hand hitters all year, one for 26. Uh, Just one walk allowed to a righty as well. And the Cardinals as a team came in hitting 220 against right-hand pitching, a 614 OPS against him, 26th in the majors. Albert Pujols, not a good matchup, for example, so his Hall of Fame butt stayed parked on the bench. Bassett overall, with the sixth best ERA in the majors since the start of 2020, Scherzer, number three on that list, behind only Corbin Burns and Walker Bueller. The Mets starting staff had gone 9-2 with a 2.29 ERA coming in, leading the majors in whip and opponent's batting average and strikeouts. You had Bassett against Jordan Hicks in this one. Hicks, the fireballing reliever turned starter. And last year, I got to say, the pitching across the board for the Cardinals was just off. Maybe the strangest but truest thing about those Cardinals from last year was they walked 29 hitters with the bases loaded. First team to do that and make the playoffs since 1949. Remember when Dennis Eckersley was the Cardinals' closer? Because he walked three hitters with the bases loaded in a 14-year career. Last year, there was a game where Alex Reyes, their closer, did that three times in one inning. And then the guy that relieved them, Justin Miller, Issued a fourth bases loaded walk in a row. Anyway, Hicks into the rotation now. He in that 101 mile an hour fastball against which Luis Guillorme was not impressed last spring training. Going to go down a little rabbit hole here real quick. Remember that? The parade of fouls and that 22 pitch at bat in Port St. Lucie a year ago. I thought maybe Luis Guillorme would get a start against Hicks. I talked to Guillorme back in spring training about that memorable Port St. Lucie moment. 
people go back and watch that ever? Because we mean, all do. It, it pops up randomly throughout the off season, and some guys talk about it. So I've seen it a few times by now. When in that at bat did you know how special that was? About pitch 11, 12, or, or beyond that? I mean, it's tough. I couldn't tell you that. I mean, I've had I've had long at bats before, probably 12, 13 pitches, but nothing like that. I don't think there was a moment where. I kind of didn't even look up at the pitches till it was like 20 some. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. But you must have heard the fans reacting and your dugout reacting. Oh, yeah, I knew it was a lot, but like I said, I didn't look up to probably around 18, 20, something like that. So, did you and, and Jordan get together at any point after that and discuss it? Have you, have you talked to him? I don't think we talked it since, honestly. I don't think yeah. we, well, I don't think we've really seen each other since yeah. that. I was towards the end of spring, I think, and then during the season, you don't really see each other, so I don't think we ever talked about it. We were trying to figure out did you guys make a lot? of or any eye contact once it got to about pitch 17, 18. We, we didn't really see much. I don't think so. I think we were just kind of, at least me, myself, I was laughing at it. You can see it in the video, but, you know, I, I give it to him. The reason that Abel was as long as it was, too, is he was all around the zone. Sure. He, he was throwing strikes, and I think we all know it. He knows. He's not a guy that's usually around the zone as much. Right, he, right. You know, he's, that's what makes him really good, too, is he's, he's he, you know, doesn't throw that many strikes often. And every pitch he threw me was a great pitch. Is I it, just somehow got the bat to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, is it fair to say that for both of you, that was kind of a, a prove it at bat? Because you're right, he needed to prove that he can throw yeah. strikes. You kept proving you can hang in there with anybody. It was, like I said, it was his first time throwing. And if you go back and look at it, which I have, I say it was 22 pitches. I think I only chased about four or five out of those, really out of the zone. Everything else was a really, really good pitch by him. Were you surprised at how much love that both you guys got especially you i mean that thing didn't die for a few days people kept coming back on to talk to it did it surprise you that it hit such a nerve with people you know i think it was just, it's just something that doesn't happen very often it's, it's a lot of pitches and then it's spring training too so mm-hmm. there there isn't much going on especially at yeah. that time of the day so it, it it's gonna blow up like it did but no it was it was great we thought we you'd get like some sort of endorsement deal like energizer <laughs> batteries or some sort of, no, nobody ever called huh? nothing nothing out of that so far all right we'll work on it thank you buddy should be a razor deal for Guillaume after getting rid of that, what, 30-foot-long Tom Hanks and castaway beard of his. All right, let, let's get to the action here, finally. In St. Louis, the home of toasted ravioli and Emo's Pizza and Ted Drew's and dishes at restaurants out in the suburbs named for Cardinals legends of days gone by. Musial mutton chops, Pujols pork loin. I would love to see Brock Lobster. I don't, I've not seen that one yet. Can anyone, anyone do Brock Lobster for Lou Brock? Anyway, Bassett in this game was dealing. Hicks and the Cardinal bullpen, for the most part, dealing too. The only real damage done was in the top of the third. Noting that Mets catchers have been very light hitters so far this year. A combined 140 batting average, only one home run, two walks, and 17 strikeouts. But James McCann came in 8-for-19 career at this ballpark, and he was up with one man on in that top of the third inning. Here's the pitch. McCann cracks it to straightaway center field. Bader's chased back. He gets turned around. It's over his head. He reaches up. He can't make the grab. It's up against the wall. McNeil motors to third. Joey Cora waves him around. McCann's already standing at second. And McNeil crosses home plate standing. Back-to-back doubles for the Mets. And it's 1-0 New York in the top of the third inning. Jake Eisenberg filling in for Howie on WCBS. McCann would end up with a three-hit game his first of the year. And the Mets would tack on another run soon after when Marte singled home McCann. 
The Mets lead the majors in hits. They only had eight total in the game last night, but that was plenty because Bassett was tremendous. Every Mets starter has been tremendous. Tyler McGill now has the worst ERA of the group at 2.35. Bassett is down to 2.25. Six innings of two-hit shutout ball, six strikeouts, including three on curves. Great-looking pitch for him. And in relief, another scoreless inning for Drew Smith. Eight games for him this year and a perfect ERA. He's got a career 2.9 ERA. The guy that the Mets just pilfered from Tampa Bay back in the trade deadline of 2017. Got him for Lucas Duda. And now that Drew Smith is healthy, you talk about a quiet assassin. Just a great guy to have on this team. Tommy Hunter, by the way, might be coming back at some point in the bullpen. Remember him, the former Ranger in Philly? Big barrel-chested righty, signed to a minor league deal yesterday. He'll report to Syracuse trying to make his way back to the show. The relievers used last night after Drew Smith. Ottavino, a scoreless eighth. Diaz, a scoreless ninth for the save. This was after Marte got, wait for it, hit by a pitch with the bases loaded for the second time in three games. No one gets hit by pitches with the bases loaded like the New York Mets. Their first run of the season scored that way. Now their most recent run of the season has scored that way as well. Three runs, eight hits, no errors for the Mets. 0-3-0 for the Cardinals. The Mets now against the Giants and Cardinals this year. Two of the top contenders in the NL. Now the Mets are 5-1 against them. That is not too shabby. After the game, a chance to hear from Buck Showalter. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's a problem we have in MLB in general. I don't know what necessarily the numbers. I don't really care. You know, my concern is about our team and, uh, you know, what what's something else going on. You know, you talked to a lot of pitchers about the grip and what have you, but uh, all those things right now, they just don't really, you know, I think we're leading baseball by, what, six or seven now? And it's it's one thing to get hit on the toe and knee. But, you know, we're getting a lot of balls in the head and the neck, and it's just it's just not good. And, uh, uh, not good. With Alonzo specifically, do you worry now that's happened a couple of times that it can have a, a mental impact, even if you know you try and fight against that? Of course, yeah. Anybody, you know, if anybody, uh, you know, you care about your players and you care about, uh, you know, you know, without getting into right and wrong and intent and what have you, you know, you reach a point where. You know, it's about safety of, of, of your players. And uh, we're lucky, you know. I'm talking about a pitch that broke his helmet, you know. And it's not good. I'm not happy. Is he okay? Uh, it seems to be so far. seems to be. It's going to probably need a night off from everybody here. I'd appreciate it. Did he have concussion tests or anything? Yeah, he just went through all that. So far, so good. Did you try to take him out of the game when he wanted to go to first? Or? Uh, no. It, uh, there's a point there. Uh, he tested out fine there. The frustration and everything. I, uh, you know, the trainers didn't feel like he was at risk at that point. But uh, you know, there's uh, sometimes you gotta let a guy go a little bit too. Good job by Bassett tonight. He was outstanding. He uh, very much like Max last night. Uh, Drew continues to do his thing. I thought Otto may have pitched the key inning in the game. That's a tough part of the order to go through, and uh, he did the job for us. But Bassett's got so many weapons and can can come at you so many different ways. Now, tonight specifically, is there anything that, that stood out to you about what he was able to do? Well, I thought Mack was going to have to get his toes out to call pitches. He was There was a lot of – and that's part of this thing is that he, he – 
shake is when you're a hitter in there and you know he's got six or seven and there's a lot of shaking going on you definitely don't know what's coming let's put it that way but he was he was good and he I had a pitcher a long time ago, Armando Reynoso, would just say, you know, he, he make me wait, I make him wait. And that, I, you know, Chris is very convicted in what he does and how he goes about it, and nothing's going to change it. And we're okay with the results. How do you expect the rotation to be good, even without Jake? But are you surprised by, by quite just how good it has been? I, you know, I knew from track record and things and uh, that Chris and uh, Max was, were going to be good, and uh, Carlos was very capable of that. And uh, you know, obviously, and we get tie back here shortly. But you know, Pete and McGill were a little bit of an unknown just because the track record wasn't there. But I think the impact that uh, uh, a lot of our players have had on each other is shown too. All right, there you have it. 14 and 5. It's a 4 and 1 road trip with one game still to go. We'll talk about that next. All right, today, the quick turnaround 115 Eastern, meaning 1215 local in St. Louis. Beautiful day in the forecast. None of that swampy St. Louis humidity you're sure to get come summertime. 72 and perfect for Carlos Carrasco and his 1.47 ERA. Against the former Met, Stephen Matz. Yeah, lots written and talked about regarding Matz and whatever happened to make him not resign with the Mets this winter. Uh, the tweet that was sent out by Steve Cohen just after that and uh, the whole I'm not happy this morning tweet. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises don't matter. Matz's agent, a guy named Rob Martin, issued a statement that same day that read in part, it's unfortunate then Mr. Cohen chose to take his frustrations to Twitter. I will not do the same and instead will take the high road, which is consistent with both my character and the character of our client. There was a strong pull for Stephen Matz to return to the Mets, but ultimately he made the decision he felt was best for him and his family. Stephen is and always will be grateful to the Mets and Mets fans, but he now looks forward to his next chapter with the tremendous franchise in St. Louis. Well, yeah, it reports at the time said the Mets thought they had a deal, uh, four years, $44 million to go to St. Louis, which is close to his home now. I know he's originally from Long Island, obviously, but he's been living in Nashville for a while. If the player wants to go there, the player wants to go there. Onward. Mets did have blister issues and got bombed in his first start as a Cardinal, but his last two starts have been really good. His ERA is back to around 5.3. Some other Mets stats. Pete Alonso has a home run against him. Eduardo Escobar does as well. Starling Marte won for 12 against Matt's lifetime. I know Marte just had a really strong game Tuesday night, but if they want to sneak a day off in there for him, it might not be a bad day to do it, day game after a night game. Max Scherzer, of all people, won for two against Matt's. But with the universal DH, Scherzer may never bat again. And he'd like to because he left on a very sour note last year going that Ridiculous 0 for 61. Cardinals against Carrasco, if you're interested. Their current roster, just 5 for 40 against him. Four singles and a double. Corey Dickerson 0 for 10 is the worst culprit there. Carrasco right now with a whip of 0.6. Second best of any starter in baseball. It's among the many things going right so far this season. Once again, the Mets with a 3-0 win. 14-5. and And now we introduce you to the Mets in the morning house band. On keyboard, say hello to Jeremy Burnett. Sapping to bass, Mike Hampton. The horn section, that's Tyler Clippard. And on drums, Mike Vale. This is Josh Lewin. Again, day game today. Enjoy it. Tune in, and let's see if the Mets can come home a full 10 games 
over 500. Peace out. Talk to you soon.